Well, today's the last day in our Grace series. Boy, I, I've, I hope that you've appreciated this Grace series. It's meant a lot to me. Uh, it's one of the subjects that I come back to again and again in my own Christian life because um, of, of how powerful it is. I want to show you that this morning as, as we begin. I want to show you a couple of pictures this morning of, um, of, of what, we, what we think of when we think of a power. When we think of something that's powerful, let me, let me show you this uh, first picture. Okay, this, right? Man, this is a, right? This is, uh, I guarantee you, you let that guy walk into seventh grade PE class at a local school, and every, every guy in the room's going to go, whoa. You know, they're going to start to whisper, man, look at that guy. Look at those guns. Man, he would kill you. You know, hey, I dare you to go punch him in the face. You know, all this kind of conversation, right? would come out. You know why? Because young, young guys respect, right? They, they, they respect power. They want power. They gravitate toward that which is powerful. And so here's another picture. If you, if you um, okay, so, so look at this. Anybody remember this? Jadavion Clowney? You remember that? Just knocked him back. And for those of you who are SEC fans, that was what we call a good day. Uh, but, you know, when you look out on the football field, and you see somebody just light somebody's world up, you go, man, that's power. And, and who wouldn't want to do that, right? I mean, who, what, at least guy. What guy wouldn't want to do that? Just take somebody back 10 yards. All right, here, here's another picture. Okay, so you, you, see, you see here when someone is addressing, maybe you've seen you know, a president being sworn in or a great military leader speaking to millions and millions of people, and we get this picture, whoa, whoever is able to do that, man, that is a powerful person. All right, here's, a, here's another picture. Oh, you might not know what this is. This is the Dodge Demon. How many of you have heard of the Dodge Demon? Right? The muscle car revival is happening this car has 840 horsepower. It will go 168 miles per hour, and I'm told it'll actually go faster, but it, it burns the tires off at some point. Zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds. For those of you who don't know what that means, that is fast. <laughs> that is like super fast. That's the, hey, muscle cars, right? When, if you've ever, I had a buddy one time that uh, uh, he, he raced cars down a local track. And he told me, he goes, hey, man, I want you to come out of the track and drive my car. I was like, for real? Like, I never had any attraction to racing or anything until I sat in the seat of that car and I felt that steering wheel and that thing was da doom da doom da doom da And I thought, whoa, man. And when I lit into that gas pedal and the lights went down, the tree went to green and I took off, I went, I could like this. Like, I could really like this. It's power, right? All right, one more, one more picture. Okay, so you would assume that whoever lives here is a powerful person, right? Look at this estate. Look at this mansion. Look at all that they own. How many bedrooms? You know, how many bathrooms would be? Wonder what their, you know, uh, a video, their theater, home theater looks like, their man cave. You know, all, all of this. We have all these images and pictures of power in our, in our mind when we think of the word power. But the question this morning is, is that what true power really looks like? Some people think so. So when you compare that to a topic like we've been talking about, grace, ah, it just feels weak. It feels little. It feels teensy. We tend to think about weakness 
when we think about grace or something that only the weakest of us or the worst of us actually need. The rest of us can kind of, yeah, I hear you. Grace is a good thing, and I know there are people who need that because they're just having a hard time. But, you know, I'm okay. I'll be all right. And most of us understand that becoming a Christian is an act of God's grace. We call it the gift of salvation. But after we receive the gift of salvation, this whole grace topic gets a little bit cloudy. Sometimes we get the idea that after we become a Christian, it's sort of up to us to work it out by ourselves. But look, grace isn't just for non-Christians. Grace is the Christian life from beginning to end. Grace is the fuel, it is the energy, it is the power of the Christian life. Let me phrase it this way, the world of grace is the dominant theme in the entire New Testament. So I want to show you that this morning. In Acts chapter 20, 32, I'm just going to put a lot, a lot, a lot of scripture up here on the screen, and I'm not going to read most of them. I just want you to see the enormity of the theme of grace in the New Testament. Acts 20 starts with it. Uh, That's where we kind of pick it up beyond the Gospels. And then Romans 1, verse 7, I want to read this one. To, uh, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so here's what I want you to see. And I'm, I'm going to move through these. You know, light booth, you're going to have to work to keep up with me. Romans starts with grace. And if you look at the last verse of Romans, it ends with grace. 1 Corinthians starts with grace and it ends with grace. And we'll just keep flashing these scriptures. 2 Corinthians starts with grace and ends with grace. And Galatians starts with grace and ends with grace. And Ephesians starts with grace and ends with grace. And Philippians starts with grace and it ends with grace. And Colossians starts and ends with grace. And 1 Thessalonians starts and ends with grace. And 2 Thessalonians starts and ends with grace. And 1 Timothy starts and ends with grace. And 2 Timothy starts and ends with grace. And Titus starts and ends with grace. And Philemon starts and ends with grace. And at the end of Hebrews, we see grace to you all. And 1 Peter starts and ends with grace. And 2 Peter starts with grace and ends at the key verse of this whole series, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory now and forever. Grow in grace. 2 John 3 talks about grace. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4 starts with grace. Listen to it. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And I forgot to even include it in the notes, but if you go to Revelation 22, 21, that book ends with grace. The entire New Testament, the whole Bible, ends with grace. You, when you enter Christianity, you enter a world of grace. It is a whole different life. The New Testament is a book of grace. And God's grace gives us true power. Not power like the pictures that we saw, real power. So what does that look like? Let me give you three ways that God's grace gives us power. Number one, God's grace will give you the power to live a godly life. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 is a verse 
that continues to reoccur. I don't know if you noticed. This summer we studied this. It showed up in another one of the sermons that I did. Pastor Mark a few weeks ago preached and used it in his message. And today, here it is again. I think God is trying to tell us something. So let's look at it. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Here's an important word. Through, what's the, what's the means of delivery? Through our knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and goodness. One translation that I love says, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a life that pleases him. Don't you want to live a life that pleases God? Yes. Well, I got good news. His grace will give you the power to live a life that is pleasing to God the Father. Now, there's so many voices of condemnation and negative self-talk and So many voices that teach us that we have certain limitations and certain struggles and certain problems that we're never going to overcome and certain hurts we're never going to heal from. There's some people we can never forgive and there's some sins or addictions that we can never really be free from. There's certain failures we're never going to overcome. We've become rejected or unacceptable or there's certain things we're never going to be able to do. But look, that is not the world of grace. That is not. It says that God has given us a few things, a little bit, some things. No, he's given us, come on and say it, everything. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. You can live a godly life. You can take godly actions. You can go a godly direction. When you're treated wrong, you can respond in a godly way. Why? Because His grace gives you the power to live a life that is pleasing to Him. So how does that look? Well, we circled the word a minute ago, through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that I need to go to Bible school and take some theology classes? Does that mean that I need to to, uh, finish some theology courses? No, 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 no. It's not that kind of knowledge. It's not the kind of knowledge that you get from reading about someone. It's the kind of knowledge you get from sitting in a room with someone and getting to know them personally. That's what we're talking about. Let me phrase it this way. Being changed by grace doesn't mean knowing the truth about Jesus. It means knowing the truth that is Jesus. So you're not talking about knowing ideas or truths or principles. You're talking about knowing a person. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's what we're talking about is knowing him. God's grace is access to a deep personal relationship with him. So the deeper you and I grow in a relationship with Jesus, the more power we're going to have to overcome and to live a godly life. And to outgrow those bondages and barriers. So, look, here's the way I want to say it. It's not by emptying yourself of something wrong that you get better. Look, let's just be honest. Every one of us has done this. We've had some part of our life that we knew wasn't right, and we wanted to change it, we knew it needed to change, we knew it was the right thing. And so we put all of our focus on that bad thing, and we started to work to try to fix it and to change it. And most often, we just break ourselves on it. It doesn't really work. 
But, but that's not what we're talking about today. It's not by emptying yourself of something wrong that you get better. It's by filling yourself with Jesus that you attain the power you need to empty yourself of the thing that you don't need, of the negative thing or the wrong thing. So the challenge for us, though, is this, this deep relationship that I'm talking about is that depth flies straight in the face of the modern American lifestyle that's built on width and speed. That's our, our, our society structure. So despite what our culture has sold us, we cannot have it all. You can't have it all, and I can't have it all. If we're going to live a life that pleases God, it's going to be because we give up some stuff. It's going to be that we make space for God so that we might get deeper, not just wider and faster. It's going to cost us something. So, so what are we going to need to, to give up? Uh, I remember uh, uh, Pastor Mark used this, I think this scene uh, that, that came to my mind again from the uh, Pilgrim's Progress. If you've ever read this book that is an allegory of the Christian life, of, uh, of this guy Christian who is stuck in this dungeon, and, and he says this, Christian said to Hopeful, what a fool I am. To lie here in this stinking dungeon when I might walk free on the highway to glory. Then Christian took the key of promise and pushed it into the lock of the dungeon door. The bolt fell back and the door came open. They walked out into the castle. Then they went to the door leading to the castle yard. The key opened that door also. Now they came to the great iron gate leading outside. The lock to the gate was exceedingly difficult. Yet they unlocked it and pushed open the gate to make their escape. Here's what it is. Living a godly life is a matter of realizing that you have the key. But you got to use it. You got to open the door. You got to put it in the lock and unlock it. And you know what that key is? It's grace. It's a gift that God gave you. It is His divine power and presence and favor resting on your life. But you've got to use the key. So, how do you grow in grace? Well, let's get a little more practical. Some of you just flat outright sinned this week. You just blew it, right? You just did something dumb. You look back on it and you go, why did I do that? I wish I wouldn't have done that. And here's what I'm saying to you. You've got the key because God gave it to you. Today, walk out of whatever shame you have over that activity Put the key in the lock and open the prison door and receive God's grace. And like a stain on a shirt, when you apply bleach to it, watch that stain fade away. It will clean it. God's grace will wash it. And so today, if you don't need to, if you've done something wrong, you don't need to try to do a bunch of good stuff now to pay God back. You don't have to do a bunch of good stuff now to earn God's favor and make him happy with you again. God's already happy with you because he gave you grace. So take the key and unlock the door. And then some of you today, you're living in a sin pattern. It wasn't this week. It's weeks. It might be months. It might be years. You have a life-controlling pattern, an addiction or a habit or outburst of anger, jealousy or rage or insecurity, fear, worry, anxiety. 
What do you do when you're living in a, in a sin pattern? You've just accepted it. You've said, you know, I've tried and I've tried and I've gone through this cycle over and over. And you know what? I can't change it. I agree with you. But you got the key that God gave you and you can't change it, but God can change it. That's what the message of grace is. God can change what you and I cannot change. And so what do you do when you're living in a sin pattern? You receive grace and apply grace to it. You say, I did that, but I sinned again. Right, because it's a pattern. (laughs) And you're not going to overcome a sin pattern until you make a grace pattern. So every time you sin, grace it. You sin, grace it again. You sin, grace it again. And here's what the Word says. The cross has the final word. Grace will win. It will overcome in the end. Do you notice how hopeful had more than one door to unlock? Some of you got more than one door to unlock. But I got good news for you. The same key unlocks them all. Just keep using the same key. Now, some of you here today, look, you just got messed up priorities, right? Everything under the sun comes before God. You rarely read your Bible. You pray mostly when something goes wrong. You come to church when it's convenient, like, I don't know, you have an extra hour of sleep or something like that. I don't know what that could be. You're probably overcommitted. Every sports event and hobby takes priority in your schedule. You don't serve much at all. You don't give much at all, if at all. If Jesus were to walk in your house and look for evidence that God was first place in your life, you'd scratch your head because there's just not much. And some of you this morning said, oh, man, I've been waiting for this. Get them, preacher. Well, I got a word for you. Stop being so self-righteous because you got problems too. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. So if that's you... What do you do? do? Do you find a Bible reading plan and say, you know what, I've tried and I just can't stick with it, but this time I'm going to try harder? Do, do you say, I'm going to get my calendar out and I'm going to start canceling a bunch of stuff so I can come to church more? Do you go out in the foyer and sign up, go on the website and say, i got to find somewhere to serve, I'm going to fix this thing, I'm going to break it? Do you just write a check and try to make up in your giving for all the things you never gave? Is that what you do? No. You don't try to change your life because you can't change your life. The very first thing you do is you admit that you need God's grace. And you say, God, today I receive your grace because I believe that you came to give it to me. That's where you start. You don't start by doing anything. You start by receiving something. You know why? Because God's grace is the power to live a life that pleases him. And so start where you need to start. And that's at God's grace. Because as His power flows through your life, your life will change. Number two, God's grace will give you the power to overcome life's challenges. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9, Paul the Apostle who wrote a lot of the books of the New Testament, who was an incredible uh, um, church leader, church planter, but had some personal issues. And he writes about them here. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now look, if you read this pretty 
deeply, this will mess your theology up. Because you say, time out. (laughs) I thought if you serve God the best you can, that he would fix everything. That's what I thought. And this is the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament and planted a lot of the churches in the New Testament that gave us faith. How, How is it that somehow this messenger of Satan was sent to torment this guy? Are you kidding me? Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take, to take it away from me. So, you know, just name it and claim it. He did that three times. Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. My power, my presence, my favor is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Did you see when he said, I asked the Lord three times, but the Lord said to me, wonder what that sounded like. Did he hear a voice? Did, did, did some, uh, was something so strong in his heart? Was it a thought that just drove into his mind so powerfully that he said, that has to be God speaking to me? What do you mean, he said to me? What is this he said to me? You know what I think it sounded like? I think it sounded the same way that he speaks to you. It's this driving thought of clarity and truth that comes to your soul and you say, that's not me. I wouldn't have thought that. (laughs) I think that has to be God. There are challenges in life and limitations and frustrations that will not be taken away. I don't know what they are. Some challenges will not change, but if you receive more grace because of them, they will change you for the better. Grace allows us to not be defined or defeated by the obstacles of life. And Paul says that Christ's power may rest on me. You want Christ's power to rest on you? You've got to stand inside some of the limitations that life gives you. And you've got to receive God's grace to overcome them, realizing then they're not going to change. That's how grace is powerful. Last week I was at home working and cooking dinner and uh, doing laundry. And I was just I had a lot going on and I was overwhelmed and thinking about all the things I was supposed to finish that day that I hadn't even started. And, and then I was thinking about tomorrow, you know, about all the things that I wasn't going to be able to get done and the day hadn't even started yet. And at the same time, I was trying to decide, do I wash these clothes in hot water and what, what am I going to cook and what's going to go on the side of that and the dish that I need for that's not clean. <laughs> and I just stopped and I said, God, you know, why won't you, why won't you take some of these challenges away? Why won't, you, why won't you just take some of them away? They're, they're too hard. And in that moment, I was reminded of God's grace. 
And how, I don't know what the answer to that is, but until the challenges are gone, I have God's grace, and somehow that's enough. He said, my grace is sufficient. Somehow, some way, it's enough. So I just stop for a minute, and I begin to pray, and I said, God, I receive your grace. In the middle of this tornado, I just stop and rest, and I receive God's grace. Boy, why don't you just do that now? Why don't you just close your eyes? Some of you, 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 you're facing things you don't know how to get through, and you might not. You're not even sure you will. Why don't you just close your eyes right now and just say, God, I receive your grace. Lord, if you need it, just drink it. Just take a cup from the table and just drink it. God, I receive your grace today. God, I receive it because I need it because I'm weak. God's grace. You'd be surprised how much good it would do your soul if you would just receive God's grace. It would just fill you. will fill you. Number three, the last one. God's grace will give you the power to share God's grace. <laughs> Won't it? God gives us power to serve in His name. Because you and I don't have everything it takes to serve effectively in His name by ourselves. God gives us His grace to share the good news about His grace. It's called being Spirit-led, being Spirit-filled. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a function of God's grace. Let me show you to you in Scripture this morning, Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. What is it? What is it? What is it? It's a gift... Of God, grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift of grace. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, what is it? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Do you know what the Greek word there for gift is? It's charismata, and it means grace gift. The gifts of God are acts of God's grace. God's grace has given us salvation. God's grace has given us Spirit filling. God's grace has given us the gifts of the Spirit. Why? That we might effectively share the good news about the grace of God with other people. Because somebody shared it with us. Or else, how else did you get here? So this morning, uh, I'm, I, our ushers are going to hand you um, an invitation card. And I'm going to ask them to go ahead and start handing that out. Because here's the thing, the largest outreach we do every year is just around the corner. And I just want you to have one of these 30 years. You believe it? We've been doing the gospel according to Scrooge. And, and when I say thousands, that's not even the right word. Tens of thousands of people have heard the gospel, have heard the grace of Jesus Christ because of this ministry because of the gospel according to Scrooge. My favorite part every night, it moves me. 
one, one Mark who plays Scrooge comes out of character and says, you know, I have the privilege every night to stand here and tell you that God loves you, wants to forgive you, he's not mad at you, he wants to change your life. I love that part. I love that part. You're never too old to change. I love that line. I love it. Because it's, it shows us that the grace of God can overcome every boundary and every limit. And so, if God has given us His grace, shouldn't we give it to other people? Shouldn't we? Somebody you know needs this card. They need an invitation. So what I'm going to ask you to do in the next few weeks is to begin to pray and to ask God, Lord, open my eyes and help me to see the people in my life that you've put around me that need your grace. That's the whole reason we do the play. We don't, it's a lot of work. It'd be a lot easier to go into Christmas and just not have it. But we do it because thousands of people have found God's grace. And so we want you to take the opportunity to invite somebody that need God, needs God's grace. So there's, there's two ways you can help. You can bring somebody and you can serve. When people come to Scrooge, we want them to have a Chick-fil-A experience, right? It's my pleasure, right? You all know that. It's my pleasure. Doesn't it make you hungry because they're closed on Sunday? It makes you want it, doesn't it? I don't know what there is about that. Like, I want Chick-fil-A now, but they're closed. Doggone Christians, what's wrong with them? Giving people the Sabbath off, it's terrible, isn't it? When people come, though, you know what we want them to do? We want them to leave and say this. Kingwood Church cares about people. That's what we want them to say. Kingwood Church cares about people. Here's how you can help us do that. You can serve. In six nights, we have about 130 roles that, that we need somebody serving in. We've had typically three spots. Now we have six. So you can go on our website and you can see all of this. Indoor greeter, outdoor greeter, welcome center. Uh, both of our cafes, Kingwood Joe's and our coffee house. And uh, I'm sorry, Cafe Mundo. And, and then this year also we've added a follow-up team that can serve on Tuesday. A couple days after the weekend when, when we'll be following up with people. So uh, you can serve all six nights. You can serve one night. What would be awesome is if you would bring somebody one or two nights and then serve a couple of nights. And man, that way, so if I'm serving when you bring your friend and you serve when I bring my friend, then everybody's served and everybody's friend gets brought and it'll work. So I want to ask you to pray this morning for somebody. Would, would you stand with me today? Here's what I simply want you to do. Right where you are, every eye closed. If you know someone that needs God's grace, I want you just to lift your hand. That's all I want you to do. 
I just want you to lift your hand. I know somebody that need God, needs God's grace. Yeah. Yeah, just leave it up for a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just standing in for them today. You're just saying, God, here I am. They're not going to pray for themselves probably, but I'm going to pray for them today. And you can put your hands down. With every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need God's grace. I'm facing a challenge in my life that doesn't seem to be changing. I've got what you said, maybe I sinned this week or a sin pattern or an obstacle. I want to live a life that pleases God. I've never had God's presence just fill my life. Today I need God's grace. Would you just lift your hand and say, today I need God's grace. Just lift your hand. Just lift it up. Yeah. It's okay. Lift it up. Just go on. Th- it's okay. Just lift it up and hold it up for a minute. And here, what you're saying today is, here I am, God. I know you've given me the key. I'm going to use it today, and I'm going to unlock the door. I'm going to go through when it opens. Now, would you just would you just pray with me, Lord? For every hand raised right now, I ask you to minister the grace of Jesus Christ, the power. The presence and the favor of God rest on your life this morning. Come on and just receive. Right where you are. You don't have to do anything. Right where you are. Just say, I receive the power and the presence and the favor of God. Can I tell you, lives are changing right now. Things are changing. Circumstances are changing. Things are moving right now. We receive today the grace of God. We receive today the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, it is the power. I believe today. It is the power to change my life. And I receive it. I drink it. I accept it. I live with it. I live from it. God, surround me now in a world of grace. And give me the, I receive the power I need. For those of you, you say, Lord, fill me with the presence of God. Fill me with the power of God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just, just pray and let him, let him fill you and wash you. And every one of you said, I know someone that needs God's grace. Would you just lift that card up in the air? And you say, right now, I pray and I intercede on behalf of my friend, my spouse, my parent, my child, my family member, my co-worker. I intercede right now and I pray the grace of Jesus Christ would come on their life. I pray that forgiveness would come on their life. I pray that a clear gospel witness would come on their life. I pray that the love of God would be revealed to them in a way that they've never known. Lord, I pray that you would soften their heart. And I pray for a divine appointment now. That you would give me the opportunity to invite them to Scrooge. And Lord, whether they come or not, that you would keep the door open that the gospel may enter in that you'd keep the relationship open, that I would know what to say and when and how to pray. and God, that they would come to know you somehow. Somehow they would come to know you soon. We pray over their life today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many of you today have just been touched by the grace of God somehow? And it's been a good day. Come on and just praise Him one time before we leave. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your grace today, God. I thank you for your grace today. God bless you. So glad to have you here today. Go in God's grace.